Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to the Man in the Post Weekend Review Show. I'm your host, Ali, and with me, as always, we have Simon and David. How are we, gentlemen? I've had better weekends. <laughs> I'm happy in the long term, but still sad in the short term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be the, the, the common theme for, a, for at least the next week or so, Dave, I feel. Oh, uh, at least, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, this is more than one week until January. <laughs> Yeah, but the manager could still go before then. That that just then takes you to another level of, you know, positivity at least. That's true. I mean, sure we'll come, we'll come to this later on, but uh, I, I'm cautiously optimistic for the time being. Well, exactly. Yeah, let's let's leave the Newcastle talk till um, later on in the show because we've definitely got some some games to cover before that. A lot of goals and a very um, entertaining finale um, over at Simon's ground. But after the success. You boys attained as a duo last week. It's back to individual performances here. So it's a little quiz between yourselves there. Dave v. Simon. So, gentlemen, I have no idea who won last week. So um, I am holding a golf ball in my hand. Um, is it true? true. Is it odd or even for yourself, Dave? Uh, we'll go even, please. Uh, it is a tightless one, I'm afraid, so it's odd. Simon, I assume you go first. Yeah, I will do. Okay, so question number one. As I said, both guys off air. This is going to be a Scottish football quiz because I'm sick of everybody slagging off Scottish football um, as much as it's deserved. Um, it's no worse than you guys' performances at the weekend. So, <laughs> the Scottish quiz. So, for yourself, Simon, question number one. Out of the four divisions of the Scottish Professional Football League, which club comes last alphabet- alphabetically? Oh, God. Um, Jesus. I'm just going to oh. randomly go hazard a guess. I don't even know if this is a football team and say West Lothian. <laughs> no, that is incorrect. No. The answer is Strad Rar. Tough place to go, isn't it? Yeah. Wait and windy Wednesday night. It's not ideal. (laughs) Question number one for yourself, Dave. Which Scottish club's ground gets its name from the Pictish for place of manure? From the what? The Pictish. The Pictish. What, 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 what? Is that like a Scottish word? For, what? <laughs> what does that even mean? 
Let me so, let me let me find that out for you. I have no idea. I'm well, just... I'm gonna I'm gonna say Stenhouse manure because it sounds like manure, but <laughs> I, I don't really understand the question to be totally honest. <laughs> Pictish is the extinct language spoken by the Picts from eastern northern Scotland of late antiquity, of the early Middle Ages. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't have helped with my answer anyway. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes all the difference now. Even Scottish history knowledge. <laughs> no surprise, Dave, but the answer is incorrect. The answer is Aberdeen. There was picky bunch over at Aberdeen, eh? <laughs> Simon, question number two for yourself. When the first ever Scotland versus England match was played in 1872, the Scottish players' team... Made up entirely of players from which club? Uh, Rangers. Queen's Park. So you were close enough, but the, <laughs> not the Rangers you meant, so I'm not giving you. <laughs> That's the one I meant, yeah? Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Queen's Park and Queen's Park Rangers are the same team. <laughs> <laughs> right, Dave, question number two. Uh-huh. Who holds the record for Scotland international appearances, having played 102 times? Hmm. Uh, well, it's, it's, it, could, it could be it's either Gordon Strachan or Jock McTaggart, so I'm going to go with Gordon Strachan. <laughs> it is neither. It is yeah. uh, the, probably the more famous one, that you, the obvious one, Kerry Dalgleish. Oh, really? All right, okay. Simon, question number three. Who was the manager of Scotland at the 1986 World Cup? Oh, God. I feel like I do know this one as well. I'm having a complete mind blank. I can't even think of anyone to say. No, I've got nothing. I can't even think of a name. <laughs> Dave, after you got a cup exploits in the, in the quiz last week, any idea? Was it somebody like some McLeod? Ali McLeod? Is that a person? Yeah, it was Alex Ferguson. Was it? That <laughs> should have been, been bigger news. All right. Uh, <laughs> was this? I believe was this the World Cup that Steen was maybe in charge and took unwell. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, that, that sounds familiar. Now it's take over. It's not a bad replacement, I guess. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> what did he ever do in his later years? <laughs> <laughs> uh, question number three for yourself, Dave. Which club did Celtic famously beat to win the European Cup in 1967? And who was Celtic's manager? I want to say Benfica. Uh, I mean, I don't know who the manager was. It was Inter Milan, and it was Jock Steen. Should have said Jock McTaggart and got half a point, really. (laughs) (laughs) See, this quiz hasn't went well. (laughs) Can you you draw nil-nil in penalties? (laughs) Got a sudden death on each, so if it goes to nil-nil after that, I think we might end the quiz. Question number four, Simon. Queen of the South are located in which Scottish market town? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. God, I'm fucking clue. I don't even know what a definition of a market town is. 
Uh, 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 hang on, I'll just go. Um, nah, <laughs> I haven't even got anything. The answer is Dumfries. The best uh, thing about this is there's no cheating going on. This is the type of like morality that we have here at Man in the Post. <laughs> right, Dave. Question number four for yourself. In 2001, the Scottish FA appointed the first ever non-Scot as national team coach. Who was he? Now, will that be Bertie Vokes, or is it too early for him? It was Bertie Vokes. Thank God, we're off the mark. Keep the phone call. <laughs> Scotland drew with the Faroe Islands. Let that sink in. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, question number five, Simon, and you need this. Which club did Sir Alex Ferguson make 95 appearances for between 1969 and 1973 before finishing his playing career with Air United? Um, I'm going to say Rangers again. <laughs> Is that the go-to answer? Yeah. <laughs> it's incorrect. Dave, any idea? Uh, no, so let's say Queen of the South, which seems to be the current theme. <laughs> uh, the answer was Falkirk. Ah, uh, alright. Okay, Dave, your last question anyway, just to, to solidify the win. Which club formed in the 1990s won the Scottish Cup in 2015? Oh, Gretna. <coughs> no. Oh, no, it was in- Inverness Cali Fissel. Oh, alright. Oh, well. <laughs> right, that was a lot of it before that. But <laughs> I like the quickness of the answer. Well, well. I wonder what to do. Um, I can safely say it was a, a one and only Scottish quiz, I feel. Match um, <laughs> of normal football after that, um, especially for the listeners at home. Um, two Premier League then, guys. Um, first up, we had Watford 0, Liverpool 5. Um, I don't know, where do we want to start here, guys? Do we want to praise Liverpool for how, you know, efficient and and you know they they look quite good or let's go to how really pathetic and lacklustre Watford were and how Danny Rose probably should have retired at half time <laughs> I mean I think we can both go two foot in on, on Watford because that, this was absolutely pathetic right? <laughs> <laughs> when you think of you know a new manager coming in um, it's a big game against a big team it's, I know with the early kickoff, that's not necessarily always a bad thing when it's, it kind of puts all the focus on, on you as a club. And they may as well have not bothered. Like, this was just a really expensive training exercise where, <laughs> where Watford just stood and watched. And, I mean, as you say, Dan, Danny Rose, you know, RIP. Like, <laughs> his career's over. because um, he didn't have any chance whatsoever. Um, Watford set up really, really defensively, um, but can't defend. So, as I've said before, why? Like, how on earth have they got? You know, they own five different clubs across many different parts of Europe. How has Craig Cathcart still like, <laughs> st- still maintained this position? Like, he must be like, sure, it's my turn to go to Udinese by now. Because I mean, how 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 he's still you know propping things up with old Cavaselli there and obviously Danny Rose and Trooster Kong over here and Feminier and all these other useless people who they've had for years now. Um, and then the only way you can make it any worse is you make Musa Sissoko your captain. I was like, well, <laughs> I, if I was Ranieri, I wouldn't be banking on spending Christmas in Watford. <laughs> uh, is this the um, 
you know how obviously you mentioned there, there's always that new manager bounce. Mm. Is is this the worst performance from him <laughs> that there's ever been in their first game taking shot? I mean, uh, there, I mean, it's it's bad as I can remember. Like, I mean, we've had a lot of managers, and we've had a lot of false dawns. So there's probably one out there which I've forgotten about. But this was so bad. I think it's it's kind of endemic of uh, the Watford model, where you know the, the old manager obviously wasn't great, but he also had got them promoted, and they'd gone seven games, and they were in the bottom three, and you know things might have improved. Um, and I think you kind of lose out on that kind of relief um, that you get from replacing the manager you hate. Like, we, we sacked Graham Sooness in 2005, 2006 rather, and it was, um, you know, it was the happiest day of my, like, my life at the time because he was absolutely pathetic. And we replaced him with like the academy manager and it didn't matter. Like Everyone was just so happy to get rid of him. <laughs> the team was 15th when, when, when Rhoda took over and we ended up finishing 7th in, in the space of three months. Because that's how bad it can be when I mean, when you hate a manager and you get this kind of uplift when they leave. But I don't get the impression that the Watford manager was, was that badly hated. So I think when it's change for change's sake, it doesn't really have the same effect. Well, the players definitely didn't obviously have an issue with the previous manager based on the way they played um, in this game. Uh, Simon, did you? Were you? I'm not sure if you seen much of this. If you were at uh, the Villa game at the weekend, uh, I saw the second half uh, in the pub before the game. Um, I mean, you, I think you guys have kind of they summed it up quite well there with Watford. It was it was pretty bad, wasn't it? I, mean, I, I saw saw a quote from Ranieri after the game saying the Watford players may have been nervous. Uh, I don't I don't know if if his uh, if his English still isn't quite good yet, and if he meant to say they just may have been shit. <laughs> so I think I mean, nervous has been a very very has been very kind to them. Um, uh, it was really bad, wasn't it? I mean, he's kind of like you were saying at the beginning. Do we do we praise Liverpool? And I mean, obviously, anyone you win five nil away from home in the Premier League, you've done something right. But I mean, Liverpool. I don't even think they had to be good to win five nil. And I, that's not not to discredit the result for Liverpool. But I mean, Watford just you don't know was it Liverpool being great or Watford just that pathetic? And it's probably more of the latter. Yeah, I mean, Dave summed up. He said it was a it was an expensive training exercise. You know, that's what it looked like. The Liverpool had four hundred and three passes in the first half. Of the, uh, I think it was like a ninety two percent success rate. Uh, Watford had ninety with only a fifty one percent success rate, which really <laughs> they were just trying to just punt the ball. You know, hopefully, like Sar could get in behind. You know, if that was their their tactic. You know, just try and play that long ball, but. They, Van Dyke must have thought like this. This must be the easiest. This is what you know. I'm dealing with for ninety. I'm not going to break sweat. Van Dyke was going to go back to himself. You know, he was flicking it up on his head and coming around and passing the ball away. And um, James Milner was just strolling about the park like twenty one again. I know. Just, I think that's the biggest indictment really of Watford's performance. Is that James Milner played like a sprightly twenty one year old. Like, <laughs> I mean, he was, you know, fair play to him, but he wasn't putting under any pressure at all. Um, no. Really, really poor. Well, I'd say it doesn't doesn't speak well for the um, sort of character and attitude of the players. Really, I mean, I know it's a tough game against Liverpool, but you think it's the first game under a new manager, you know, at least at least 
you know, put a, a, a filthy challenge in or something, you know, something, show something. But well, if that's how you impress the new manager. Well, as well, I mean, as, as I mentioned earlier, like, given to Sugo the armband, I haven't seen him firsthand. He's got the heart of a pea. Um, you know, like, like if he, if he's the best you've got to, to lead the team, um, they're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, you talk to this one with the attitude of the players, like, Liverpool made more fouls in this game than, yeah. than Watford did, and Liverpool won 5 0. Like, how, how does that work? I mean, we've mentioned it with Newcastle, Dave, you know, when they're, you know, they're just not making any effort, but when, you, when you're winning 5 0 and you're taking more, you know, you're making more fouls than, than the opposition. That's that concern. Um, I think it shows that um, maybe not necessarily the team, but I think the dressing room probably missing Troy Deeney because you know, yeah. whether you your thoughts on him as as a player ability wise, like you can't deny he he cares and like he always put effort in and he demanded that the players put effort in as well. Like, could you imagine if he was still at that club? What what he'd have done in that dressing room after that game? Oh, absolutely, and and even for players like Van Dijk, you can't tell me he, as much as like Dini is nowhere near on the ability that could worry Van Dijk. But you can't tell me how Van Dijk enjoys somebody like Dini who just you know puts himself about. No, that's I mean you made the point earlier. Watford's plan was just to boot the ball forward towards uh, Dennis and let him you know try and hold it up and whatever. But you're not going to get the better of Van Dijk unless you're you know a hundred percent on your game. Um, yeah. and he's still quite new to the league, so it was. A fairly impossible task for him to get the better of, you know, Van Dijk and Matip. Um and uh, it showed really, as you say, like someone like with Dini, you know, he'll he'll probably give as good as he gets. He won't win that many, but you know, he would have he would have given them a focal point of sorts and something to fight for. But uh, what hadn't they didn't have the tools to set up the way they set up. Um, I think Ranieri will soon realise their best form of defence is attack because. If you can get the likes of Saar and whoever else, you know, further up the field, um, they can, as Villa found out and other teams have found out, Watford can score goals, but defensively they're just not there. And they're not the type of team who's going to be able to hold a Liverpool to a 0-0 draw. It's just not going to happen. Mm. I think, we, I think we, we need to uh, take a moment to just praise Mo Salah <laughs> once again. I mean, that the pass for that first goal and then his goal mm-hmm. itself. I mean, OK... You know, we, I think we've we've well established that Watford weren't great, but fuck you know, what a play, what a player by Salah yeah. is. Oh, there's not enough positive words in the dictionary. Like he, he at the moment he is the best in the world. I, think I said it a few weeks ago. Um, obviously nothing has happened in the last two weeks has dissuaded me from that. Um, this goal was absolutely absurd. I mean, yes, all right, awful defender. That's not the point here. Like to do that, where he rolled his studs over the ball and, and knocked it past three players in one go. You just don't say that. Like, if it was that easy, people would do it every week. Um, so, so good. Um, I hope he signs a new contract for, for Liverpool's sake because it, it, he doesn't deserve to have any sort of, like, oh, he's doing really well at the minute, but there shouldn't be a but. Like, just get him signed up and just enjoy him while you've got him because that type of player comes around once in a generation. Yeah, what you what you said, Dave. Like whatever whatever he wants. Like you know the real Ferdinand. You know the the video that he goes on about Ole would slap. The <laughs> like that that is genuinely what Liverpool need to do with with Mo Salah. Like just give him a contract, leave the the wage bit blank. Just ask him what he wants. And just give him it. We aren't going to be able to replace him for any less than what three hundred million. Yes, and yes. I don't think even that brings you. What more brings you? It, that goal is just 
disgusting. It's just, and I know it's like playing against kids with Watford, but as you said, Dave, like, you, if it was that easy, you know, a lot of people would. There's a, there's an image going about. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It's like right behind the goal at the point he receives the ball, and it is ludicrous that that results in a goal. <laughs> and as you mentioned, Simon, yeah, but should not get talked about purely because of the goal. But that pass with outside his foot to Manny is ah sensational. I mean, overall, Liverpool were were exceptional. The the, the goals, Manny took the goal very well. Uh, Firmino. I don't think he had to work for any of his goals. Uh, <laughs> got a hat trick. So <laughs> I think Firmino's played, I want to say, 240 minutes now this season, um, and he, he's he's got six goals and assists combined. Um, so it's like every zero point three five of a game, he's getting a goal and assist, which is phenomenal. So hopefully we can just keep them at that level, and then I feel we might win the league if that if that happens. <laughs> I think you might do that anyway, the way it's going, but uh, Looking good. so much be possible about for you, and uh, obviously a big game next weekend, which we'll probably come on to when we talk about Man United. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, right, Simon, unfortunately, I've, I've spoke about Liverpool enough. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the Probably the most talked about game on, on the Saturday um, was Aston Villa 2, Wolves 3, and up until the 80th minute, Simon, what was the score? <laughs> Turnover, Villa. <laughs> oh, I, I, I mean, well, we said off air, I, I, I can't work out, I still can't work out how we lost that game. From Up until the 80th minute, we were in total control of that match. I, I, I cannot stress to you how shit Wolves were for 80 minutes. I, I mean, they, they were terrible. How they've come away with three points... I that is going to leave me baffled for quite a while. Um, first half, first half to be fair, they, they, like there wasn't many chances either way. I think Danny Ings had a good chance that was well saved, and Traore had um, a one-on-one which he really should have scored to be fair. But other than that, chances-wise, there wasn't much in it. But we were just so comfortable. Like Wolves barely got, got into our half in that first half. And so you got going nil nil at half time, thinking they're there for the taking, just step it up a notch. And then obviously we get the early goal in the first, uh, second half. Um, John McGinn, who had an excellent game, I must say, he's been really good this season so far. Gets a lovely crossing, great header for Mings. And we go two nil up, not too long after. I don't think it was. Uh, to be fair, it was a big deflection that, that gave us that second goal, and we just we were absolutely cruising and. Uh, it's just at no stage I think we were in trouble here. And then he kind of Smith made a couple of substitutions which I suppose at the time sort of made sense, but you look back now and just think, God, what what did he do? He, so he, he took Louise off for the camber and then took Brendier off for Jacob Ramsey and I mean to be fair, Douglas Louise only arrived back in the country yesterday morning. I think he played for Brazil on Thursday night. So I can can understand maybe the argument to take him off because you say obviously he you know he might be a bit knackered but he didn't look it like he was him and Brendia and McGinn were just totally dominating the midfield and then he took them off and we just sort of lost our shape and dropped deeper and then about five minutes before Wolves got their first back we were just sitting so deep 
And you just, as soon as he got that one, I, to be honest, when, once they pulled the one back, I thought that they're, they're going to win this game. And once they got the equaliser, you, you properly panicking then. And the free kick we give away at the end. As soon as, as soon as we gave that free kick away, we were like, well, we all know what's happening here. And I, didn't, I thought to be fair, Nevers was just going to put it straight into the top corner. And I think they obviously got a huge size to look with that deflection. But, um, I just, as I say, I, I can't work out how we lost that game. And I'm sure they, they're honest with themselves. And I, to be fair, I did see a few Wolves fans online after the game sort of saying how we've taken three points in this. I'll never know because as I, say, I cannot stress enough, they would die for 80 minutes. <laughs> it's kind of in the Wolves' way, wasn't it, this season? I know that we, they weren't great against us and were obviously not as good as yourselves, but... The, the, they just seem to be winning games somehow. Like it's a bit, you know, mm. we talk about Newcastle under Bruce, where we we won a couple of games and finished mid-table without really playing very well. It just seems to be, you know, moments of magic, and eventually it'll catch up with them. But um, I mean, their record this season is like you know, played eight, won four, lost four, scored eight, conceded eight. <laughs> <laughs> so and and the tenth, surprisingly, with that record. So um, they are totally on the precipice of like. I don't know if they're good or bad. They just seem to be like a results team at the minute, um, which is, you know, probably better than the performance as well, the points, I guess. But uh, I don't know how how much you can read into it. Because, um, I mean, from everything I've seen here, they, they scored two fairly scrappy goals. And even the free kicks, as you say, like, it's a massive deflection. But it felt inevitable. As soon as it was awarded, mm-hmm. I think everyone said, that's going to be a goal. Um and when he looks in, he looks in. Yeah, I mean, like the, the, the goals we conceded were, were so sloppy. I mean, to, to be fair to to um, Neves for their first goal, I thought the the pass Neves made uh, out wide was it was a lovely ball. To be fair, it sort of split the, the defence, but just so sloppy from to, to concede the two those first two goals from corners, from not not clearing it properly. It's just his, his basic sloppy errors, and you know, for all you know, I was just saying about the substitutions and losing control of the midfield a bit. At the end of the day, it's, it's, it's not an awful lot you can do to stop individual errors. So, just really, really frustrating. Right, three three players. I'm going to bring in a question for you then, Simon, based on this performance and obviously this season. Matty Target has been. He obviously was a. I think he was a player of the year last year, wasn't he? he, he yeah. Turned, you know, he started quite poorly. Obviously, finished finished exceptionally. He started this season very poorly. Um, again, in yesterday's game, I thought he was really poor. He definitely thought he was the two, the worst of the two, the two fullbacks. But plays the full ninety minutes again. Um, do you do you think Dean Smith just thinking back to last season where he, he you know he knew he came came good because or do you not think Sure, target was. Did he, didn't he have a really nightmare first game, and then he was dropped after last season? He, uh, yes, he yeah he, he, came, he got brought off at half time in that first Watford game. Is that what it was? Yeah. Did you not think the way he's playing? I mean, you might think differently, but I, I, I feel when every time I've watched him, he's been he's, he's not offering much at all. Do you think he almost needs pulled out for a for a game or two? Um, yeah, I I don't I don't think the three five two suits him. I don't think he's a he's a. I don't think he's got the attacking 
I don't think he's got the pace to play as that you need as a wing back. As a full back in the flat back four, I think he's he's absolutely fine. But for the role the wing back is in that formation, it is different to being uh, sort of a natural left back. So Matty Cash started his career as a midfielder and Nightingham Forest, so he's more suited to it. I think if we were if we're gonna play this system, I would Probably have Ashley Young as the left wing back, as I think he's more suited to it. If we play the flat back four, then target. But yeah, yeah, just don't think the system suits him. Well, I'm glad you brought on the the system in the three five two because that goes to my next player who I feel is hampered by this as well. Ollie Watkins isn't looking the player he was last year. Um, there doesn't seem to be a real connection with him and Ings either. I know it's quite early, um, but any concern from you in this way? Do you think Watkins is suited here too? Um, I am a little concerned, to be fair. He he was really poor yesterday. I, I think you're right. I don't think he get yet. I don't think it suits him either. He's well, he's never played in the front two before. Obviously, Danny Ings has on you know a number of different clubs played as one of the front as in a partnership. Watkins, uh, Brentford, it was four three three in Villa last season at four three three. So. It's just, yeah, like you say, there's, there's no real no connection going on between the two of them at the moment. Maybe that will come in time, but I, I'd be honest, I think once Leon Bailey is fit, which he should be for next weekend, because Bailey can't play in this system. Like, yeah. There's just no room for him. So I would assume when he's fit, when Birch and Troy always fit, I, I would guess we'd go back to a 4-3-3, and then you're looking at one of Ings or Watkins through the middle. Or possibly you could put Watkins wide right where he played for Brentford for a few years. Yeah, that's I I think that's the better option for him um, wide because he's still good in the air as well. So if he can attack a, a fullback, I think that'll benefit from crosses. Um, and then the last player in general for you is I, I don't know if you noticed it um, being there um, from what we've seen, but Tyrone Mings looked like he started time wasting very very early in the game, like trying to uh. time and. Obviously, I know you're a bigger fan than Mings uh, than, than I am. <laughs> I, I just feel it's every week there's a talking point around Tyrone Mings here. Uh, and, and what, did you did you notice the, the time wasting aspect that early? And yeah, um, I, I mean, on the just at that point, you, um, when you say you think it's, there's every week. I don't think it is. I just think it's when when there is when he does have like a bad game or something, it gets massively highlighted. But then you know you think the other week when we beat Everton and United, like he was outstanding in in those two games. We got clean streets. So I wouldn't say it's every week, but yesterday, yeah, the that that time wasting thing. So he got a yellow card after I think it was on sixty minutes yeah. for, for like taking forever on a free kick. It's such stupid yellow cards. Because then, obviously, someone like Adama Traore on the position, if you want a yellow card, all he's got to do is just knock it past you and you're knackered. And he just... I, I don't know why he was... Why he, he took so long with the free kick. But once he got booked, his head just went and he he was slicing clearances and getting more casual than he can be on the ball. And, yeah, he... I mean, I mean... I I like timings. I I don't think he's you know like a, he's he's never going to play for like a top five or top six club. I think he's better than uh, he 
that he gets credit for from in some sections. Uh, but um, he 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 had a really bad day yesterday. He's not addressing that. But and also Axel Transabi had a shocker yesterday. Um, I think Konza was a. Uh, it was overstretching a bit yesterday, and he's. I, I would agree with the points that I think you made before. How how Mings gets a, a call up over Konza is strange for for the national team. Yeah, Konza's head and shoulders the best the best defender you've got. Uh, yeah, I love him at Liverpool. Um, I think he's just quality. He just always looks like he's strolling about the game. Uh, Dave, I'll bring you on to this game after you've sat silent for a while. I mean, what a what <laughs> entertaining game for the neutral. Uh, yeah, it, um, I mean, obviously, Sly is the expert on this, having, having witnessed it, but uh, I thought Villa looked pretty good for, um, for for the most part. It was just that last sort of 10, 15 minutes where it went awry, and as, as Sly said there, sort of the the, uh, the subs have, have caused that, and whether that's because of... I mean, did um, Luis play for Brazil? On, in the he early he yeah. played up the last 20 minutes. Uh, just so, I, mean, I kind of think it's odd he was involved at all. I remember Rafinha wasn't for, for Lee. I think he probably played a bit longer and over it. Um, I'm sure that could have been avoided as well, playing uh, playing that game in the, the early hours of um, Friday morning UK time. That was... Uh, they, had, you know, they had two weeks to arrange that. The range of the fixture is better than that. Yeah, it's... it's I mean, we, we all seen Klopp's comments on it and Klopp comes across as a bit of twat, and he is at times. Um, the, the whole international football, this whole three breaks before December, and it's just nonsense. Like, no, they, it's piss boiling, especially during a during a, a, a COVID hampered yeah. calendar, shall we say? I know the season's looking fairly normal at the minute, but it's asking for trouble. Like the nonsense today. I don't know if you saw this, where Mina was playing for Colombia on Thursday night. I think it was. Yeah. Um, so he's in the squad today. He was on the bench, but he he, he wasn't allowed to sit with the other subs. Ah. But he's but, but he's allowed in the dressing room. <laughs> yeah, and he can play with them in the park. And, yeah, and if he'd come on, that would have been fine. Like, yeah. I mean, how, how is this normal? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I was listening to another podcast the other day, and a player had come out and said, you know, about you know how much the players are really getting abused through all this, and. You know he's right, and, and we need more players to come out and talk. It's all right, managers saying it, but managers have got agendas. It's all right, fans saying it because we've really got agendas. You know, we'd be quite happy if our opponent had eleven players playing the day before, and as long as none of our players were. So yeah, the players need to start coming out and talking about this. Like that, that you know, there's too many games, there's too many away trips, and I, I get they're paid a lot of money and all that, but they're, they're still humans. It doesn't matter how much they're getting paid. The body can only do so much. And the FIFA and UEFA and the, all the league federations really need to have a hard look at themselves and they're just putting in far too much strain on players and eventually it's going to break. It is. No, I totally agree. But um, I don't really know what the solution is because yeah, these, especially with, with South America where they have this, you know, this 10-team group yeah. which involves playing 18 fixtures to try and qualify now. <laughs> it's it's ludicrous because in Brazil's case they've won something like eleven out of eleven, so they're going to qualify. I think they may as well play the under twenty threes for the remainder of the time. But you know you've got to keep the integrity of the competition and all this kind of stuff. So um, I, we've said for a while now it needs looking at, but no one seems to have a, a solution. Um, we're in the ludicrous situation where next summer obviously there's no tournament, so we're playing 
well, England and all the other European teams are playing four Nations League games next yep. June. I mean, when, when this is no rest. <laughs> like, yes. uh, do we do we need a Nations League campaign? <laughs> it just I, seems I, mad. Yeah, a few seasons ago, I think was it Firmino that didn't have a break. Obviously, other players would have done the same, but obviously, I know more because Liverpool. There's maybe two, the la- not this Copa America, the one before. Firmino didn't have a break for three seasons just because the way the, the Copa went, the World Cup, you know, it was just ludicrous. And obviously, other players have been in the same situation, but. I, uh, Mar- I think Mane did similar, didn't he? Mane. Didn't he have, like, the African, when they moved the African Nations Cup to the end of the, of the season that one time? I think to, that's good. Sure. Not yeah. in the World Cup, and obviously all that goes with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot we could mention on international football. Just scrap it all, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back to domestic football, and maybe apart from Liverpool in the five, no, the happiest I have been all weekend. Uh, <laughs> even celebrating a Brendan Rodgers win, Dave. Good grief. Uh, Leicester four, Manchester United two. Now the commentary team said Man United would improve because Harry Maguire was back in defence. I hope you've seen the, the video of Harry Maguire just standing, looking around like a fridge. Yes. Um, and they're just tapping it in. But um, have ever, I've just been on a podcast and we're talking about, obviously, the Newcastle takeover, Dave, and mm-hmm. uh, how how's best to go about, you know, building the team with the money that's going to be available, etc., etc. Man United is living proof of how not to spend money and how to <laughs> the team to win the league. Um, they just they look lost, don't they? Do? Yeah, and they were second best throughout this game. Um, they did the usual and scored a couple of goals through individual brilliant small. I mean, Green Greenwood strike won't get anywhere near the credit, you know, the, the, the likes of Salah's gets because it was a, a, a goal that fundamentally won them the game. Greenwood strike is as, as pure as you're going to see. That was lovely. But uh, they um, they were second best throughout. Uh, Leicester totally played on their weaknesses. Uh, Maguire got a lot of stick, rightly so, because he was totally off the pace. I think he was rushed back, um, and that's that's his fault as much as anyone else's because he didn't look fit, um, and he got caught on the ball for the first goal, um, and obviously he was just standing and watching for the last goal somehow. Um, <laughs> I think they're mad. At, uh, I, I know I know he's the captain and things like that, but if you're Eric Bay, who I know has had a a difficult career at Man United and you're sat on the bench while Maguire who presumably hasn't trained for three weeks because he's been injured and he's been at Nationals and he's playing been blatantly not fit you don't have to be sitting there thinking what's the point <laughs> like, why why have a squad if you're not going to use it because um, that's it's cost him at least two goals if not more I mean he was um, he was so far off the pace it was pathetic really um, but Leicester you know if you're off the pace you don't want to be playing against Jamie Vardy, who again was excellent. Um, and we were, you weren't worried about Leicester because you don't like Brendan Rodgers, but I was kind of getting concerned that they weren't going to hit the heights. But this was kind of your stereotypical Leicester performance. This is what the, the level they should be at. Um, and they haven't been this season, but this weekend they, they hit, the, hit the mark and they were very good. I mean, as, as you both know, I'm very, very critical and hateful and spiteful towards him. <laughs> That's a very impressed with him this week. He had these obviously all the managers had the press conferences coming back from an duty. And he and he the way he was speaking was very refreshing. He was he was talking about obviously how the team just weren't up to their standards and set from themselves. 
the they needed to get back to you know that pressing style. The I don't know. It just it just came across really humble, um, which is very unlike Mr. Rodgers. <coughs> but it was like he's seen the team and he, he at least identified. Obviously, there was a lot of a lot of talk when he was Liverpool. He, he just didn't believe in defensive side of defensive coaches, etc., etc. But I don't know. It just seemed a very mature interview. Now, obviously, interviews can be pursued, taken in many different ways. Um, and but Leicester were just yeah, they were on it from start to finish here. Uh, and as you said, I, I think we've wrote up Vardy a few times now, David. <laughs> uh, but he keeps turning back the years. I think Johnny Evans being back in the team now has definitely helped. Like, not that he's a great defender anymore, but it's just that leadership. Even Sancho, you know, he's, he's <sighs> they, they went back to three centre backs, didn't they? Which yeah. um, obviously gives them a different shape, but I think it suits them more. I think obviously it allows them to get Ian Acho in the team as well, alongside Vardy, which makes a big difference. So, um, but I think that's probably the way that they should go going forwards. But. Um, yeah, Leicester should be delighted. And Man United, I mean, where do you start? Like, will you? I mean, let's let's wind the clock forward a week. If if Man United lose to Liverpool next weekend, let's say they get a bad result in Europe in midweek before that, do you think that'll be it for them? I've literally just said I would. I, I, <laughs> and Chelsea lose next weekend. No, I know it's a big ask. I will take losing to Man United next week. <laughs> because I, I do feel if they lose in Europe, which they're quite capable of, doesn't look great for them in Europe. <coughs> if they lose again, um, and they lose to Liverpool, it's very, it's very Chelsea-ish last season. I feel we'd be Lampard. You know, well, I mean, it is a bit like that. And, and after that, after that, even if they don't um, sack them after, after they lose to you, we got Tottenham away the week after. They then go, they then go to Atlanta. They then got the Manchester derby. And then it's an international break, which obviously is the perfect time to sack someone. So that's it, and it's that weekend that you. Yeah, know. I think he's on his last knockings personally, but they don't seem in any hurry to get rid of him, which I find bizarre because it must be so frustrating as a Man United fan, and I mean like a real Man United fan, to look at the amount of talent they've got in that team and squad, and to not have any sort of identity whatsoever. <laughs> like. And what was really funny about this game was that in the highlights, um, I don't think I even saw Ronaldo. <laughs> I think I think I think he was there, but I didn't see him get involved in the play whatsoever. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I know. It, I, I did say this. For anybody who's listened to me ramble on about Man United, I, I always said the, man, the the Ronaldo thing. It was always going to work because he's going to score goals. One hundred percent. He'll probably finish on fifteen league goals, maybe more, maybe maybe up to twenty. But it's not going to be because he's played well or Man United's played well. It's just because he is a world-class goal scorer now. He's no longer the... I don't think he's the world-class scorer anymore. I do believe he's just just a goal scorer. I think you said it against yourselves, Davey. He, he wasn't very good against yourselves earlier in the season, but he ended up with two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Well, there's a lot of bad teams who will stat pad against, didn't they? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, did they really need to go and sign Cristiano Ronaldo on what they spent twenty million to bring him in and nearly five hundred grand a week? It's just silly. It's just silly signings. They, they they have no midfield. Van der Beek. I'm not sure he's actually a real player because. I never, <laughs> um, well, I think, like, how how can he not get any minutes whatsoever in that midfield? Like, 
Well, they basically flick between do we want Fred or McTominay or Tomlin this week, and are we going to play Pogba any deeper? Like, and Van der Beek doesn't get a look in. Like, yeah, how bad must he be? <laughs> it's it's crazy. Yeah, how, how not to spend what a billion pounds? Solskjaer's now spent. You know, in in his yeah. time, um, when you think of like you think of managers who's deserved it, like you you look at obviously Rafa, the EFLs, and and even at us in the in the way oh nine, you know, he deserved some extra money. Yeah, Solskjaer and Lambert were just given all this money, absolutely no right to even managing the clubs they've got. Let them be given money, um, and that's why I I, I referred to Man United when I was talking about. Them. Building a, you know, building a team with the new money because if you go around to Man United format of just buying a player because of the next week, they're, they're proof that it doesn't work. Jaden Sancho was one of the, you know, one of the most sought after wingers in, in Europe um, from after last season at Dortmund. And he looks, well, for the minutes he's even getting, he just looks a shell of himself. We, t- teams need to start thinking sensibly and buying players for their system and their position, not just name value. You know, you don't necessarily need the best player. You need the best player for your system. Well, having every Man United fan I know has, has wanted a defensive midfielder for forever, basically. Um, and instead they went and got Ronaldo and it was a vanity sign and to stop anyone else getting him, basically. Um but I agree with you in that he, I wouldn't say he's totally finished. You know, he's not he's not totally done yet. But he, no, he's, no. he's not the player he once was for certain. Uh, and I think you've got to play a certain way to get the best out of him. And that way is probably not inverted wingers, which is what they play with. Um, you know, Mason Greenwood's not going to whip balls in the box room. No, like Ronaldo is is a better player than Cavani. I think we'll all agree. But you can't tell me even that front three is better with Cavani up front rather than Ronaldo. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at, I think Bruno Fernandes would rather play with Cavani than, than Ronaldo. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, Portugal for the last five seasons, testament to that. Um, Simon, I mean, I'll bring you in on bashing Man United here, and obviously we'll get <laughs> to Leicester, but um, I mean, for all you, you'll have just seen the highlights, obviously, we've been, been busy yourself, but I mean, any points that me and Dave are missed, or anything you want to add to that? <coughs> No, just the the point on Ronaldo, like you say, it, it, it was a vanity signing. I mean, goal scoring it wasn't really a problem for United last season that I can particularly remember. Um, Cavani got a decent amount of goals. It just, you know, like you were sort of saying there, you think about the players you actually need for your system, for your team. You know, Ronaldo will get probably get between 20 and 25 goals in all competitions this season. Will he bring them any closer to winning them the league title? No. Will he bring them any closer to winning them the Champions League? No, because their midfield is made up of a combination of Fred, Matic and McTominay. Like, <laughs> that, the, the money that they spent on Ronaldo in terms of the, the fee and the wage, <coughs> the wages, sorry, they'd have been better trying there are you no know, chance in their arm at eighty million on Declan Rice in yeah. the summer. That's the type of player they need. That's that's the type of player that would get them closer to a league title or winning something. So it's just um it's ridiculous. But like, when you've got a manager in charge he's he's got no business being in charge of one of the biggest clubs in the world, that's that's what's gonna happen. They 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 need to get rid of him. If they want any high of challenging to win anything. I, I mean I'm really surprised 
I, I can't really actually quite believe how he's still in that job, considering, you know, as you said, they're one of the biggest clubs in world football. How have they got themselves in the position where they've got a manager who struggled to get a middle championship club? <laughs> Yeah. Like, it's so strange. So strange. The, the, the one thing I'll add there, what you said about Declan Rice is spot on. It's better overpaying for the right type of player than all spending even market value on a player that you don't need. So, yeah. Harry Maguire is awful, right? I think we'll all agree. Well, he's not awful. I take that back. He's just not... He, he shouldn't be Man United-level player, which he isn't. But at the time they signed him, was it Jose Mourinho in charge? Or was it Van Hal? Mm. One of the two. I think of Mourinho, I think. Yeah, but they were playing quite defensive, you know, you know, compact. They needed a ball-winning centre-half in the air. Harry Maguire, at the time, especially for England, was probably the best in the league for that, you know, at his time at Leicester. It made sense for them to sign Maguire. Did they overspend? Absolutely. Did But... At least it, it fit their system at the time. It fit the mould. Mm. I can't slag them for Harry Maguire. I can slag them for signing Jadon Sancho, for re-signing Paul Pogba, for Ronaldo <laughs> signing. Because they didn't need any of them at the time. And and this is where they're going to... They have needed a defensive midfielder, arguably, since Roy Keane left. It's a bit like the Arsenal and Vieira. It's like they just... They're trying to be too... It's almost an ego thing. Oh, we don't need it. You know, McTominay and Fred. They're not... Declan Rice is out there trying to go to a big team. <laughs> just, just sign him. Um, forget the fee. If you're willing to spend... Like, Ronaldo's wage this year basically pays for Declan Rice's transfer. <laughs> it's just... It's just ridiculous. But we'll move off then. Um, let's get, again, just the last note. Leicester, Leicester were ex- excellent here. Reminded everybody what they're capable of. Um, delighted to see Vardy and any actual back as a two... Um, I think they will cause teams a lot of bother. Um, I think we'll briefly skip the next two games. Man City were a 2-0 win at Burnley. I think we're all probably surprised it was only two goals from Bernardo Silva, who's playing really well just now, um, and Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, Bossman's Leeds losing um, away to Southampton. Good win for Southampton, um, which sneaks them up to 15th in the table. A couple of good results in a row, I believe, for Southampton. Um, I was going to skip past this, but you guys both mentioned uh, a, a a very big miss, shall we say, in the Norwich Brighton game. <laughs> Talk us through it. Oh, it was just a sort of a defensive calamity where the, the keeper comes out to try and uh, try and clear a ball that's being played over the top, and the Norwich striker, I think, is Josh Sargent or whatever his name is. Anyway, he he gets there first, and he's got an open goal from maybe twenty five yards. And he just kind of rolls it towards the goal, but uh, totally underhits it and barely even hits the six-yard box. And it's just kind of a, a damning indictment of how Norwich's season's going in front of goal. They've scored twice this season, um, and they have you know they have two points, so they could have done a lack one in. Um, <laughs> Brighton, on the other hand, are, are fourth, <laughs> yeah. having, dra- having drawn three in a row. Yeah. As well, so. <laughs> if we had done two of those, they'd have been, they'd have been joint top of the league. Um, they'll be kicking themselves at not beating Norwich, though, really. I've been. I know that, let's be honest, Brighton don't have, you know, top four hopes, but, you know, an extra two points is always a bonus. Um, and it's got to be, if you've got hopes of 
top half, pushing into Europe, whatever Brighton's hopes were this season, drawing in Norwich, especially nil nil the way Norwich is formed, um, is not great. Uh, right, last up was the evening game, which was for a 1 0. It's very entertaining, I thought. 1 um, 0 Chelsea. Um, but I feel Brentford should be very unlucky. Yes. Um, feel hard done by, sorry. Not coming away with at least a point, Dave. No, 100%. Brentford were brilliant. Um, Chelsea had a sort of a, a bit of a rookie defence out. Uh, Chalabar, Saar, and um, Christensen. Christensen. Uh, and they were. You know, the, the, all three of them were, were put under serious pressure for most of the second half, and thanks to Mendy, really, they uh, they got away with a with a with a win. But uh, Brentford were excellent and very uh, very refreshing to see. A, you know, promoted club really going toe to toe with one of the one of the big teams. Um, on another day, they would have got something out of it. But Chelsea Chelsea seem to live this charmed life where they. <laughs> <laughs> they have games like this where they, you know, they, they get away with it, and I think it's, a, it's obviously a great quality to have if you can scrap out your wins away from home, um, which kind of backs up why I think Chelsea win the league. But I'll, um, Brentford will play worse than this and win quite a few times this season. I'll, I'll bet. Oh, absolutely! I mean, the supercomputer was right. At least it's another three points for Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> um, Simon, did you see much of this game? Uh, yeah, I was just sort of was half watching it whilst crying. <laughs> the game. Um, yeah, like like you say, Brentford, I, I thought were outstanding um, in that second half, especially. You know, like you said, if it wasn't for Mendy, I think they'd have got at least a point. They could have possibly got all three. Um, I, I kind of Mendy when he first came in. I, I, th- I thought, you know, he was he was decent, but I didn't think I didn't think he was great. But I think the start of this season, I think he's, he's and towards the end of last season, I think he has actually shown himself to be like a top top keeper. And I mean, he made some some great saves yesterday, um, especially that that one at the end, the, uh, the overhead kick. I think it was he tips over, um, and like Dave said, this is it's the type of that's the type of results that that that, that will win you a league title when. You know, you, you go away to to a team who probably deserves to get a point in that game. You, you've you've managed to, to scrape away with three points, clean sheets. Yeah, it's a it's a good, very good result for Chelsea. But Brentford, and I, the only thing that I think could put them in any sort of danger is if they injuries. That's the only thing that I think can ruin their season. But they they look like a. They already look like a, a good, you know, decent mid-type Premier League team, don't they? Um, they they do look vulnerable. I really do think that if teams would attack them the way Brentford did, they will drop points definitely. Quite a lot of them this season. I, I still think they'll finish. I actually believe they'll still finish third in the league. Um, but. I mean that's obviously biased. <laughs> obviously, biased. I still think City are a better team than them. Um, so with every with every passing week, uh, City fall down in my estimations, but Chelsea and Liverpool are kind of the, the two at the minute. I mean, Man City they've lost Ferran Torres now for what looks like two and a half to three months. Two months, yeah. Um, we talk about them only getting two against Burnley, like. I think that might be the way it goes a little bit. That you know, the the, the defense is still very good, very tight, but the, the, they're not exactly free scoring um, in some of these games. Um, 
and I know obviously they put Norwich to the sword and they put Arsenal to the sword, but they were both, you know, Norwich just always can be poor and Arsenal were in a bad spell at the time. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see how they get on in the, in the, in some of the games. Yeah, no, no doubt, 100%. They just cause the biggest fear to me, and obviously they can go out and spend 500 million in January if they want, because they'll, they'll sell the naming rights to the dog that walks around the park. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Keane might still end up there in, in January, but um, yeah, we'll move on. Chelsea finished uh, the weekend top of the league, obviously, with that win. Um, moving on to today's games then, gentlemen. We'll start off, which a game I haven't seen, so I have no input whatsoever, but uh, Dave, I think you said you watched it, so I'll come to you first on this. Everton nil, West Ham won. David Moyes still at it, mate. Uh, West Ham sitting seventh in the league. Everton eighth now. Mm. Um, West Ham were... Very, very good um, for the most part. They sh- probably should have been ahead of, uh, in the first half. They had plenty of the ball, most of the sort of decent chances, but couldn't quite get a, a clean chance. I think they had a goal to Slaughter offside at some stage. But um, Everton are still short of Richarlison and Calvert Lewin. And Rondon's, you know, he's good, but he's um, he's a little bit off the pace, I think, and isn't really up to his, his full fighting weight yet. Um, I. Awobi had an air shot as an open goal, which was, you know, standard Awobi. Um But West Ham, I, I felt, deserved the win. Um, came from a corner, which again is not massively surprising with West Ham. But um, yeah, they, they looked like the home team for the most part of the game. Uh, Declan Rice, who we spoke, you know, spoke about earlier, um, I think I've said on this podcast before, that he was a, a centre half player in centre midfield, but he's totally turned my opinion around this season in particular. I think he's been outstanding. Um, for club and country, so um, whether he gets a big move or not in the future, I think it's down to him. But uh, right now he's playing really, really good football uh, in a team that's it's, it's got a lot going for it. You know, they're quite good to watch. They're going well in Europe as well. They're now seventh on the table. They're a bit, you know, falls a bit hit and miss, which it always will be for a team that's not, you know, one of the, the big four or five. Um, but there's a lot going for them, uh, and I, I think they'll, I think they'll, they'll do quite well this season. Yeah, uh, Simon. I mean, for what you've seen, I mean, what's in the game? Um, yeah, I think Dave pretty much summed it up there. I thought West Ham looked very comfortable. Um, yeah, you know, like uh, Miss Everton missing Calvert Lewin and Richardson, and it really shows they kind of they 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 just look like they're a bit toothless up front without them two, and I don't really recall them causing West Ham too many problems and. West Ham, they just sort of keep, they sort of picked up where they left off last season. They just look a really, really good, solid team. Now they've got a, a really good spine, that team as well. Zuma and Ogbonna at centre-back, you know, the big, strong, imposing players. You've got Suchek and Rice in the midfield and Tony up front, who I thought was really good today. Again, I mean, there was towards the end of the game when obviously Everton looking forward for an equaliser. There's like two or three occasions where he got the ball and he he'd end up with you know, two or three Everton defenders around him and he just kept hold of it. He made his stick and then found a player to um you know keep possession and waste time. He uh, he was a really good centre forward performance to to see out the game that and it's really impressive from West Ham. Because I mean going to Goodison Park 
it, it, this, is, this is an old cliche, but it's a tough place to go and, and, and get results. And against the Rafa Benitez team as well, who you know they're going to be well organised. So to go and get a 1 0 win and possibly could have won it by a greater margin, um, you've got to just be impressed. Great job that David Moyes is continuing to do there. Yeah, um, Moyes again is just proving everybody like who doubted him the last few years, and rightly so doubted him in fairness. But he's just found I, I, I go back to saying he's just found his his mojo again from the from the Everton days. He just kind of took a lot of bit of time to find himself, but he's just exceeding everybody's expectations. I mean, I, I don't think they'll push into the European place. I think probably seventh is about. Where they'll finish, but again, they're definitely outperforming the, the, the West Ham's real ability here. Um, Rafa doing what Rafa does. I mean, I say every week, Dave. Me and you probably know Rafa as much as as much as anyone, and we quite know what he's capable. And there's always my biggest concern is that how much he can get out of Townsend and Damari Gray. I mean, there's only so much, you know. You can, he can work his magic. They're definitely going to have like those three, four out of ten performances because it's just the inconsistency they provide. Um, but I think both sets of fans have got a lot to be optimistic about um, for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think um, they're what the seventh and eighth now. Yeah, you wouldn't be too surprised if they if they finished in those positions in either order. Um, that's kind of where they both are at the minute. Um, there's, there's not an awful lot to worry about. I think West Ham are in a better position, but I think Everton don't have the fixture schedule that West Ham have, so that might be the difference in a couple of points, but I, I think both are about where they should be. Yeah, 100%. Um, and yeah, all the best, not as much to Everton. Yeah, I want Rafa <laughs> Everton not to. How can we get that? Can we have 38 drops? Um, but last game of the weekend, Dave... Um, before obviously the Monday night show is um, yourselves mm. not what's happened it's the games back the last few weeks <laughs> um, no um, obviously you're losing 2-0 to to Spurs is what you say Wills here um, for the Nuno uh, yeah Spurs 3 Newcastle 2 um, obviously finally finally new owners uh, I feel we've discussed this every week since we took over the show about I know I know um, obviously Steve Bruce still in charge making his thousandth game well, fair play to him um, you almost wish he didn't get it just because of who he is but uh, it's, it's a remarkable achievement um, yeah I mean just give us your thoughts overall on the, the whole how how your last couple of weeks have been there as a Newcastle fan uh, yeah well obviously as you say we've been talking about it for a long time now what is finally happening and uh, absolutely wonderful seeing through the week when, when it finally went through and actually left the club you saw the amount of people who were you know, around St James's Park celebrating that news. Um, it's we've had more communication from the club in the last nine, ten days than we had from Ashley in, in fourteen years. So um, it's 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 kind of strange. It's, it's getting used to it again, having you know supporting a club that behaves the way you'd expect a Premier League club to. Um, but the, the reality is that Ashley's left behind a, a shell of a club that needs an awful lot of work. Starting on the pitch, of course, but also in terms of everything, really, the academy, the facilities, the, the ground itself's fallen a bit. Um, there's a big job on. Um, so I'm grateful because it, I feel like it's happened in the nick of time because you've probably seen on the pitch today where 
we're heading down as it stands. Um, if there wasn't a you know a takeover and the, the potential of players coming in in January, you'd say, well, there's actually very little hope whatsoever. Um, but now we have that. Um, you know, it, I, I do feel we'll be okay in the end, but uh, it it needs to start by removing the manager. Um, I appreciate it's happened a lot quicker than they expected, and in that regard, I can kind of understand why they haven't just sacked him. Um, but I also feel that if he'd been sacked before today, we might have got something because he's such a negative burden around the club. Like everything he says is, is chastised, rightly or wrongly, and. Um, fundamentally we've got the worst defence in the league um, the way we set up today was inexplicable um, I don't understand why he persists with playing Joe Linton as a left winger when you've got both Murphy and Fraser on the bench who are actual wingers uh, whereas Joe Linton is, is barely a footballer so um, we've got a lot of likeable players you know like a lot of this squad came up with Rafa and we were promoted and we finished 10th and we finished 12th whatever it was before Rafa left um, and what's remarkable is that you know those teams were quite hard to beat and we had you know a decent defensive record not the best in the world of course it wasn't but it was probably in the top half of Premier League clubs for the defence and now all those players can't defend and there's no structure and uh, I mean I don't know if you watched the game today but pretty much every time Spurs came forward they they could just drive a tank through the through the middle of the park. I just don't know where. Considering we had Hayden, uh, Willock, and, and Longstaff all on, um, I don't know where, where any of them were. <laughs> it was just bizarre. Like absolutely no structure to the team whatsoever. And if it was a promise to be removed this week and a new manager would come in, uh, I, I find it really really exciting for the first time in a long time because we've got some really decent players there um, who just need coaching and just need set up and need a you know a fresh voice. Um, and I think they'll be all right, but the longer it goes on, the more worried I'll be. Uh, I think they they want to appoint a director of football, which again is quite a common thing to do these days. Bring someone in to, to run your, your sort of football operation. Um, I think that needs to happen first, and they'll obviously help shape the new manager. It's impossible to say, even looking at the betting odds, which is normally a, a good indicator of who's going to come in. Um, there hasn't really been an odds-on favourite at any point. Um, it keeps switching, you know, Stephen Gerrard was talking about and he didn't exactly distance himself from it the other day in his press conference, but um, I'm not really sure he's he's um, got the the experience for the job. Lampard the same. Um, you know, I think Conte will be pie in the sky at this stage. We we need to be able to walk before we can run and at the minute we're barely crawling, so we um, we need to appoint someone who is going to keep us in the division, um, but also isn't, you know, a total idiot, so answers on a postcard for who that's going to be um, but I'm excited to find out it's nice to have that little bit of hope again um, and I say it's not going to happen overnight I didn't expect a win today as I said many people um, it's still the same team it's still got the same deficiencies it just has a better atmosphere around the club um, Callum Wilson's back and scored inside two minutes um, it's clear how important he's going to be to us if we are going to get out of this but um, I'm just Looking forward to a new era, um, and I'm going to stop engaging with people on Twitter arguing about human rights because I've had enough of that after two weeks. So um, I'll probably just go back in my shell on that for a little bit. But uh, yeah, football-wise, I'm uh, you know not happy with how we are at the minute on the pitch, but long term we, we've actually got something to look forward to again. Well, that's it. I mean, for the for the short term, just now, let's be honest, nothing is going to change until the manager. 
dangerous, really, because any any manager you bring in is definitely going to be more attack minded, with more tactical nous than than Bruce. Um, not not a bit Frank Lampard. This is very true. Yeah, but I think we've said it time and time again. Um, I I do believe Newcastle are far better player for player than people give them credit for. Uh, it wasn't until I think last season, Dave, that me and you had that discussion. And we went through the players and. It's it's not a relegation battle team. You know, there's players there who can do the job. Who, as you say, Callum Wilson is huge. His goal today was the movement for it was superb. Um, Ty yeah. will definitely say that the, the key thing for Newcastle really is getting the two appointments that need to happen: is the the director of football, the the scout, whatever, how however they want to work it, and the the manager appointment because you need to get a system in place. And as I said before, not buying players. You don't want to go down what the Man City mistake when they first got the money. You know, buying the Rubinos of the world. So for you guys, that'll be the Coutinho. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you you want players for roles, not players because they are expensive and willing to come for two hundred grand a week. You know, that's not what you want. You you're you're ideally looking at the probably the Tarkovskis of the world. You know, the bit of Premier League experience, a bit bit of quality, a bit more quality than you've got. You know, in the squad, just as you say, walk before you run. Um, yeah, I think that's the way it's going to have to go. We're going to have to buy, buy players from the clubs around us. Um, Tarkovsky's a good shout mainly because he's out of contract. I think at the end of the season, yeah. you know, yeah. might be open to moving, and Burnley also may be open to selling. So um, that's a, a route we could go down, and you could probably cherry pick a handful of players from the bottom six or seven clubs who you could take. Um, throw the money at them and they'll probably come um, and I think that's the way it's got to be I, mean, I don't think anyone seriously expects us to go out and buy the Mbappes and Haaland's of this world just yet um, maybe in 10 years time we can be in a position to, to attract the best players in the world but right now um, that's not um, that's not our game um, it's not our our responsibility so we um, we just need to find a way of keeping ourselves in the division which we should be more than capable of doing um, but I mean, the, the, some of the players we've got, I say, Rafa made them look very good, like Sir Hayden, Kieran Clark, um, even the Cells to an extent. You know, they, they looked like Premier League players under, under Benitez. They've regressed so much this last two or three years, where whether it's just the system's been chopped and changed over and over again, or because they were, you know, better protected in, in Rafa's systems, whatever else it is. Um, some of them have really regressed quite badly, and that needs to be sorted out as well. Um, the players aren't without blame. I think some of them weren't very good today. Um, but uh, generally, the core of the squad's good enough to stay up. Um, it's just probably needs a couple of players just to just to flesh out a couple of positions. But um, someone capable um, will keep that team up without issue. Yeah, I, I can't disagree more. I mean, as you say, the biggest concern is there's no real out-and-out favourite for it yet, which is quite quite strange. But, um, I mean, Simon, I'll bring, we'll bring you in on it. Uh, I'll on the game and yeah, give, your, give your 10 pence on your thoughts on the whole takeover and Newcastle's like long-term future. Well, I think it's uh, clear that the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia listens to Man on the Post because of the guys. <laughs> Heard how depressed and broken day sounded last week, and thought, right, you know, I've got to, I've got to, got to help this guy out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, uh, yeah, the takeover. It's 
obviously, for you, I mean, we, we can go into issues on the many potential issues about the new owners, but I, I, I think this is really the time or place to be to be doing that in terms of for Newcastle itself. It was badly needed, you know, just just like, like Dave says, a bit of hope. <laughs> you know, it's, it's been it's been so depressing for so long, and you know the the opportunity to actually potentially be an ambitious club again and you know attracts players to the club. It's 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 great for the fans, isn't it? Um, so fair play to them. It's, it's it's not been good for the last what ten, twelve, thirteen years since however long actually he's been there. So you know, <laughs> fair play. It'd be, it'd be, it's nice. It'd be nice to hear. Dave, come on here with a <laughs> his death. <laughs> I'm going to be un- unbearable, Pixar Dave, but um, yeah. it's, it's going to take a bit of time to get there. But uh, as of, I mean, you, you guys will know I've been on here enough to say like it's never been about being the richest club in the world or anything like that. I just want a club that's normal, <laughs> like, yeah. just do things the way normal football clubs behave. Like you know, appoint the best manager for the job, and not because he's the cheapest, and get the players who you need, and not because they're available for knockdown price or whatever else. Like. Um, it's it's been uh, like living with shackles on for 14 years now of just like dreading transfer windows because we put more light to sell our best player than, than actually buy what we need. Um, uh, you know we're not we've never really been in a position where we need to sell. It's just the way he used to run the club. Um, so I'm thankful that those days should be behind us now. But we're never more than a week away from disaster. As you well, know, I, so. I, I I followed the sands. Like where you're coming from, um, as as a fan of the club, because I mean, the, with my own club, up until the last three years, when um, Nassif Suarez and Wes Edens took over the club, the previous ten years, you know, it'd been shit. It's it's horrible. Randy Lerner, when he first came, was great for us in the sort of around 2005 to 2010. But then, whatever happens faith with funding the club I don't really I still don't really understand why he stops investing the way he did but we just went into total decline like you were saying with the academy at Newcastle the same thing happens with us we just we used to have a great academy back in the 90s and early noughties and that just fell apart um, the, you go into each transfer window like you say, just fucking dreading it thinking what you know what, what Trump what's the next Trump through the door going to be and um it's it's horrible. It's really horrible as a fan when there's nothing you can really do <laughs> when with the owners of your club just don't give a shit. It's it's depressing, and you know we we were lucky, really extremely lucky that we managed to get taken over by two billionaires who, who seem to have really now invested in the club. Our, our youth academy is absolutely thriving now. I think we've probably got the best. Academy in the country now in terms of youth team, um, the stadium. There's investment going into that. Women with the women's team. There's investment, you know, real investment going into that. And um, so, yeah, it's it should be exciting times ahead for you guys. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> no matter what, it's going to be more exciting than you've had for the last, as you say, Dave, five to ten years. There, anybody who listens to the last weekend review show, not the quiz though, and the one before. And listen to Dave's voice and that one and this one. Put them side by side. <laughs> uh, I hear what it means to, to Newcastle fans. So yeah, absolutely delighted. Um, 
But that is the, the results as the weekend stands, Dave. Um, and Simon, even. Monday night, we have the last game of the season. Last game of the season? Last game of the weekend. Um, <laughs> Arsenal at home to Crystal Palace. Um, quick, quick score prediction. Uh, Simon, I'll come to you first. Um, that's a tough one, that, because... Um, do you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for an entertaining two-two. Ooh, David. Uh, I think Arsenal will win two-one. I am going to go for a three-one Crystal Palace. Wolves are masterclass. I just think he tears that defence apart, um, and I'm still not convinced on Arsenal. Um, but yeah, that brings us to the end of the weekend, then, gentlemen. Um, any other business to add in? Uh, no, not for me. It's uh, the, the sweet spot where it's three weeks until the next international break, so let's enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> let's enjoy three weeks of proper football before we get to the begins again. Well, Dave, since, since, since you're on, uh, let everybody know where they can find you and anything that you're working on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at cm9798, uh, and the website is cm9798.co.uk. Uh, Simon? Uh, yeah, it's on Twitter, at Cy Regan, and for Villa fans, check out the Holtcast podcast and the website, 7500toholt.com. And I've been Ali, your host. You can find us at Man and Post on all your social media platforms. Please just give us give us a follow. Give us, a, give, give us some interaction. Um, let us know what you like, what you dislike. Um, if you listen, even if you don't like me, just let us know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, Chris and whoever have his merry bunch will be back on Friday with the Extra Time Show. Us three will be back next Monday again to, to review next weekend's fixtures. Um, hopefully better results for the, the two other gentlemen or um, less drama at Simon's end. But thank you as always for joining me, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you at home for listening. And always remember, keep your man in the post.